gather, come gather, friends, close by the fire, and hear of a wondrous tale. Of goblins and elves and miscoated delves and heroes who strive to prevail. Allie and Theron looked out at the lake as it glittered and shimmered and swayed. He was her enemy and she his ennoyee, and yet there were friends to be made. You're listening to Ally Odds and the Ally Odds Squad by Leona Cara. Chapter 7 The Undergarments of Morality. eyes were closed when I looked over to him, his copper-brown skin seared with an orange glint by the setting sun. He stood statue-still outside Cartree's grimy inn, breathing deeply, and I wondered if he was soul-sending. Was he trying to feel for Trenia, who was back in Agalava? Could he feel me standing beside him? Was his soul skipping across the waters of the lake, or was he trying to touch the sun itself before it sank into the west? There was a slight smile to his mouth, a curve of contentment that even made me feel calmer. How could someone so rude be so at peace? Ah, but it was that peace I'd have to tap into, if I was truly to make him my friend. After a moment, Theron took a deep breath and opened his eyes. Any sign of her? I asked. Theron looked at me and raised an eyebrow. You were soul-sending, weren't you? You know of soul-sending? I've dabbled. Any sign of Trenia? He was surprised by my seeming sincerity. No. Not for several days. Oh, well... Don't worry. I'm sure she'll turn up. Theron nodded, rubbed his face with his hands, and took a deep breath. Ha! He believed me! He finally believed that I didn't know about Trenia! Now was my chance to lead him off the path for good, via friendship. Help me gather some firewood, huh? Get a camp set up before it's too dark? I thought you didn't wish for my company. Well, things change. It's not often I get a chance to camp with an elf. God, I was doing such a good job of selling it! (sighs) I walked down towards the beach, but after a few steps, I noticed Theron hadn't moved. Oh, come on. One night spent around a fire with a human won't kill you. Theron remained in his indecision for a moment, but eventually gathered his gear from his horse and followed me down to the beach. There, beside reeds and cattails, we set up camp. A camp I should have been sharing with his sister, but Theron was well-suited as a substitute for Trenia. He set up his bedroll the same way she did, he sat cross-legged while eating the same way she did, He barely spoke a word the entire time we set up the same way she did, and his long, dark hair and gracile features even conjured a similar form beside the fire. I had to hide my amusement, of course, so as not to give anything away, but the similarities were hilariously unavoidable. Thankfully, though, there was one huge difference. The icy sheen around Theron melted as soon as we began to talk, which is both good and bad. So, how long have you been on the road? A full turn of the moon now. Much longer than I expected. Just to find your sister? Theron relaxed back onto his elbows, and sprawled out beside the fire as he spoke. Yes, I volunteered to retrieve her, and the tribe consented. If I had known she was so intent on this ridiculous stunt, I would have suggested more of us ride out. It is awfully selfish of her to have put this on the tribe. What exactly is she running from? I had already heard the story from Trenia, of course, but I was curious how his version of the tale compared. Oh, she's just being dramatic. She developed feelings for a human, which for many good reasons is not allowed. She knows this, 
The tribe knows this, and when the tribe tried to remind her of this, she ran off on a hopeless search for a short-lived human. A human who knew well enough to leave, thankfully. What do you mean? I asked, starting to feel uncomfortable with how his version already felt so different. She knew well enough to leave. Theron sat up then, straightening himself to make his case. How to put this? It's not that elves are better than humans. There are just too many incompatibilities in our ways of life. Our tribes operate in an egalitarian modality that most humans cannot understand. Your kind is too bent on power and privilege, on putting yourself before your community. Instead of sharing, you buy or you steal. Instead of communicating your personal needs in the context of everyone's needs, you make individually contrived rash decisions that leave others struggling to fill in the gaps of what you've left behind. I felt a prick of remorse as he spoke. Mom and Jamie, what had life been like for them since I made the rash decision to leave? Theron continued, Furthermore, humans see the Earth as something to own and to utilize for their own gain. It is merely the floor upon which they walk. There is no care for soil or sky beyond their use for extraction. How could a human expect to truly know and love an elf for whom the Earth is a parent? A partner, a friend. This human was wise in leaving, because she knew she would never be able to stay. I didn't like this. Partly because I was a human, and Theron was making humanity sound less than enticing, but also because it felt like a snide attack on Trenia. And since she wasn't there to defend herself, I felt like I wanted to. But I had to keep up the act that I didn't know her. If your tribe forbade Trenia to stay with this human, then why is it a surprise that she left? It certainly explains the choice, but it does not excuse it. Like nearly all elves, Trenia and I are members of a tribe, the Nurvenga of Bileth. We chose to accept our kin rights when we came of age, and with those rights come certain duties. I tried to remember what Hatha had said the night before. Contributing value, right? Uh, having a vote and whatnot? You know of our practices? Well, not really, but I've heard of them. Right. Well, the only way to respectfully leave the tribe and remit one's duties are to give up these kin rights, which can only be done with consent of the tribe. Trenia did not call a meeting to plead for disavowal, nor did she contribute equal value to replace the gold that she took when she fled. And perhaps the most disrespectful of all, Trenia left just as our aunt was slipping out of Nirgantha into the long sleep and was not present for her burial rites. It is of those things that she did not do that I was sent to return her to her tribe. Whoa. There was a lot to unpack there. Kin rights, a dead aunt, duties, and I had no idea what the heck Nergantha was. But one thing really stuck out to me. So Trenia could leave the tribe, as long as she gets permission. In theory, an elf can forsake their kin rights after they become a member. But no proper elf should want to. Disenfranchised elves are allowed to visit their homelands, but as they do not possess kin rights, they are never more than guests. I cannot imagine the sadness of never truly being at home in your own house. So it's uncommon, then, to give up kin rights. I thought about the elven messenger I'd met in Fribbleshire, about the elves I'd seen in Derry, and the trap maker Hatha had met in the Jolly Robbers. In some dying communities, it is not uncommon. But we Nurvenga are thriving. The last elf to deny kin rights left Beleth some 400 years ago. 
It simply is not done. But Trenia already left. What happens if she doesn't forsake her kin rights? To leave without concordance of the tribe is to elect a life of exile, apart from the Norvenga. She would forfeit her right to ever return. Oh my. Oh, I thought about Trenia. About how much she must love this woman, Laurel. She was willing to give up her entire community. Her home, her, her identity as an elf of the Nervenga. Just to be with her. Theron chuckled to himself then, and my focus returned to the fire. The funniest thing of all, if any of this business could be called a comedy, is that as a member of the tribe, Trenia herself must be present to cast a vote in favor of her own repudiation. She would have to go back in order to leave. Yes, ironic, isn't it? But as I think she knows, when she comes back, she will not wish to leave again. Why else would she keep running, if not to buy more time before facing the fate she knows is coming? I will find her, and she will face the tribe. Well, what if you don't? I didn't like his insistence that there was only one way this would play out, especially when that way was his way. I mean, if you haven't been able to find her yet, don't you think she'll be able to keep hiding from you? We elves have many ways of finding things. Soul-sending, I know. But really, if you haven't found her yet, why do you think that's going to change? She'll grow tired of running eventually. It's a game of attrition. Why not just let her go? If she wants to be with Laurel, then let her be. Did you hear nothing? The human was not there. When Trenia went to find her, she was gone. Without a word. She does not love her. And even more important, it is not our way. Elves do not soul bond with humans. It is a smear on the undergarments of morality. Okay, so it's not for you, but why can't it be for her? Simple human, she is me. She is the tribe. Until she leaves the tribe, her actions reflect upon us all. So then just call her an exile and let it be done. No, I will not abandon my sister to such an empty future. It may be difficult for you to see, but I love her. I do. And the thought of her throwing her life away for the sake of a short-lived human cripples me. If I can protect her from such self-destruction, then it is a duty beyond all duties to bring her back. His point made. Theron once again rested back on his elbows and looked up at the darkened sky. He clearly cared about Trenia. At least, in the way he knew how. It made me sad. I didn't know what I could do to help her. Sure, I could throw Theron off for a while, but he would persist. As long as I traveled with Trenia, we would always be on the run. I didn't want that. But I had made a promise to find her when Theron was gone. I would keep that promise. And then, well, we'd have to have a talk about what to do next now that I knew the full story of what we were running from. As the dream of traveling with Trenia in search of Granbauer began to crumble, Theron sat up rapidly and looked at me curiously. How did you know her name was Laurel? Pardon me? Uh-oh. My body tensed. Had I screwed up without even realizing? The human. The mortal wench my sister ran off for. Shoot! Had I blown the whole thing with a single word? You said it. Didn't you? No, I didn't. Crab apple! Oh, well, then Trenia must have mentioned it to me at the stinky boot. Not likely, seeing as earlier you would have had me believe you couldn't even remember her name. 
You've played a good game, human. Better than most. Now tell me, where is Trenia? I, 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 I don't, I don't know. Is she in Igalava? I was speechless, in shock about how quickly the charade had fallen apart. Where is she? I, 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 I don't know. Theron rushed over to where I sat and grabbed me by the shoulders. He lifted me to my feet and grabbed me firmly by the shirt. Where is she? I'm not telling you. Do you care for her? I didn't know what he meant by that and stayed silent. Theron shook me. Is she your friend? Yes. Why? Then answer me true. When did you last see her? I paused and he shook me again. When? Tears came to my eyes then. I was so afraid. I had promised, Trenia. I had promised. Theron shoved me to the ground beside the fire and he looked a fearsome sight standing above me in the red-orange glow. If she was with you in Igalava, and I could not find her by soul-sending, then she risked something even more reckless than I had imagined. You must tell me. Her life may depend on it. Was that a threat? What do you mean? The only way she could have avoided my search is if she had cast her soul inside the soul of another being, as if it were a shield. Like soul-bonding? No! What I speak of is a temporary storage, but if one extends their soul outside of their body for too long, they risk the chance of it never coming back. I did not feel her all through the day. If she has sent her soul into a shield for this long, I fear. Oh my gods! Trenia could be dead? What? Worse than dead. Worse than dead? What, what was worse than dead? I had to tell him. But what if it was a trap? But I looked at Theron, and he was frightfully serious. Where is she? Oh, no. I had to tell him. It wasn't worth risking her very soul just to keep a promise. She'd have to understand. Agalava! She's in Agalava! Theron sprinted to his bedroll and hastily packed it away. I did the same, and we both moved so fast that neither of us paid notice to the small, rounded island that had suddenly appeared in the lake some thirty feet away from our camp. As I shoved the last bits of food into my pack, I remarked that the fading firelight made it look like one of the large rocks in the shallows seemed to have funny little eyes, and then I shuffled on my pack. I stood beside the fire for a moment with my back to the shore, debating on whether or not to douse the flames. But when Theron began racing up the sand towards his horse, eh, I decided to let the fire be and dashed off to follow him. I heard a large snapping sound come from behind me as I ran like a large stick cracking in the heat of the fire, and I hoped I had made the right decision to leave it be. Theron's horse was hitched to a post beside the inn. He fastened his pack alongside the saddle and unlashed the lead, only pausing in his work when he saw me standing beside him. What are you doing? I'm coming with you. <laughs> like heck you are. I know where Trenia is. It's faster alone. I'll find it quick enough. He lifted a leg to mount the horse, but I grabbed his thigh and pulled him down. No! No, I promised to get her when you were gone. She'll be expecting me, not you. Just then, the gruff barkeep stepped out of the inn and laughed as he saw me holding Theron's leg. You are in that room, then? Just in time for stew. Ugh, no! Go away! Theron used the distraction to shake me off and mount his horse, but I stepped in front of them. The horse's snout slobbered me in the face, but I didn't budge. She was ready to draw blood at the stinky boot, Theron. If she sees you now without me there, she might kill you. You need me. You both do. Theron stopped trying to maneuver around me and sighed. He resented it, but he knew I was right. Get on. Quickly! Theron helped me up behind him. He patted the horse on his neck and muttered in a whisper, I had no idea what he had said, but I was so delighted to hear Elvish that I nearly fell off the horse as it bolted forward. 
We rode and rode and rode some more, until flecks of foam splattered our faces as they flew from the horse's mouth. The late crescent moon was yet to rise, leaving the stars to guide us along the road to Igaliba. We didn't speak. There wasn't much more to say. Only speed mattered now, if Trenia was indeed in the danger Theron feared she was. After three hours or so, enough hours for my butt to go numb at least, we drew near village lights, and the scent of apple blossoms filled the air. Igaliba. I directed Theron to the cottage at which Trenia and I split ways, and I held on tight as his horse jumped the fence that cordoned off the orchard. Where is she? I, I don't know exactly, but she's somewhere in this orchard. By a tree. I know it. Theron and I dismounted, and split up to widen our search. Trenia? Trenia! A thin sliver of moon rose from the east, giving a smidge more light to our search, but I could see nothing besides the shadows of trunk and branch. I reached the north side of the orchard, and began to double back when I heard, No! No! Trenia! I ran faster than I knew I could, faster even than when I had run from the ghosts in Hamult. I strode down the long rows of apple trees until I found them. Trenia was kneeling beside a tree with her hands pressed to the trunk. Her eyes were closed, and no matter how Theron pulled at her or held her face, she didn't budge. She was truly like a statue. Cry Galafenga, Trenia! Hi, Bethildo! Hi, Bethildo! I was horrified. I didn't understand what was happening, and I didn't know how to help. I knelt down beside Trenia, and I put my hands on her arm. She was icy cold, colder even than the waters of Lake Leus. Trenia? I thought to shake her, to snap her back into herself, but I feared she might shatter if I did. Were we too late? Is she dead? Theron looked as scared as I felt. I don't know. I, I'm going to Solsend, to see if I can find her inside this tree. What? You too? Call me back if I do not return in sixty counts. Sixty counts? Well, starting when? Theron closed his eyes, reached out for the tree, and he was gone. What? Yeah, I wasn't just going to stand in an apple orchard with two elf statues in the middle of the night. There had to be something I could do. What if I chopped down the tree? Uh, no, nah, but I didn't have an axe. I raced through the medicinal knowledge Bertram had taught me. Obviously, we humans didn't really encounter something quite like this, but maybe it was similar to when someone fainted or went unconscious. I'd seen Bertram use smelling salts on the butcher's wife several times. She was squeamish around blood. Not a great trait for someone married to a butcher. But I didn't have any smelling salts. <gasps> but Trenia must have still had that smelly herb in her pack. The one she had put on my welt after sword fighting. Her pack rested a few feet behind her, carelessly shrugged off in her hurry to escape being found by Theron. I dumped out the contents and sifted through the various food wrappings and bits and baubles until I found three leather pouches, any of which could have held the pungent herb. The bags were all filled with pungent herbs, as it turned out, and I sneezed wildly after sticking my nose into the first one I opened. I didn't recognize it, and I opened the next one. More sneezing. Still not the right herb. I opened the third bag, and sure enough, the bright, pungent smell I remembered cooled my nostrils as I inhaled the scent. I pinched a wad between my fingers, and then realized that maybe this wasn't the right herb for such a moment. Trenia was already so cold. I didn't want to worsen her condition by using the pantry root, or whatever it was called. I smelled the other herbs again. One of them was deep and earthy, like rain on a freshly cut field. The other was spicy, hot-smelling in a way that tickled my nose and made me sneeze again. Curious, I put the teensiest bit of it to my tongue, and for a moment I wondered if the herb had actually caught my mouth alight. Yep, that one should do the trick. I wasn't quite sure how to use it, but I figured it might be similar to the pantry root. I took a deep breath, preparing for the fire that was about to erupt on my tongue, and stuck a wad of the stuff into my mouth. 
plucking poplar cedar cut strawberry. God, did it burn. Whew. Once the wad was wet, I spat it out and rubbed it onto Trenia's skin, beginning with her face, which was still deathly cold. I covered every inch of what was exposed and rolled up her sleeves for good measure. It was about then I realized it had probably been more than sixty counts since Theron began his sending, and I called out to him. I didn't want two frozen elves on my hands. Theron! Theron! Come back! I gave him a shake for good measure, and slowly the rigidity left his body, and he returned into himself. Did you find her? <sighs> yes, but, but she's still in the tree. She's not dead? No, she's... What is that smell? Theron sniffed and followed the scent to Trenia and the spicy herb that was smeared on her body. I, I don't know what it is, but I thought it might help. I braced myself for a hefty scolding. Trenibleaf, brilliant. Now hold her tight. Imagine you are pouring all of your warmth into her and call her back. Hi, Beth Ildo. Come back to me, Trenia. Hi, Beth Ildo. Theron wrapped himself around Trenia in a massive hug, and I followed suit, allowing the strange elvish words to find their place on my tongue as we encased her in our heat. Hi, Beth Eldo. Hi, Beth Eldo. I didn't want her to die. I imagined that each breath was stoking a flame inside my chest, that each expansion of my lungs was like a bellows surging air into the embers of a white-hot forge, and that all of that heat was pouring forth into Trenia. Maybe I'd swallowed some of the Trenibleaf, or maybe my visualizations were really working, because I grew very warm. Hot, even. So hot I wanted to take off the sweater I was wearing, despite the coolness of the night. But more importantly, I placed a hand on Trenia's neck, and it, too, felt warm. Theron! Theron, it's working! She's getting warmer! Yes! Keep calling! Keep calling! Hi, Betheldo! Hi, Betheldo, Trenia! Hi, Betheldo! Soon, Trenia's body began to shiver. Faintly at first, like leaves touched by a gentle breeze. But then she began to shake violently, seizing, almost. What's, what's happening? Is she okay? Theron released her to get a different hold, and Trenia fell into my arms. Her shaking intensified. Her arms and legs flailed as if she was fighting an invisible foe. I did what I could to keep her from hitting me, or herself, but I took a couple of hits to the face for my effort. Theron backed away and sat on his haunches, aghast. Theron! What is happening? There were tears in his eyes. Theron! Theron, help me! With one final, full-body convulsion, Trenia stopped flailing, and she laid limp in my arms. Her eyes were open, but blank, and her chest was rising, just barely. Trenia? She was alive, but she was gone. I felt tears forming in my own eyes now, and my throat was clogged with fear. No, 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 Trenia, no, come back! I slapped her face and shook her shoulders. She didn't respond. She was gone. No, 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 no! In my panic, a last desperate idea came into my head. It's Laurel, I said. She's here, Trinia. Laurel's here to see you. Theron glared at me, as if I was rubbing salt in the wound. But I didn't care. Maybe Laurel was just the smelling salt we needed. Come back to her, Trinia. She's here. She's here and she still loves you. Come back! For a moment, nothing happened. But then Trenia's chest began to lift, as if her heart was being pulled upwards by an invisible hook. Her back curved so dramatically that she practically lifted herself out of my arms. But then, wham! Her bend released, and she dropped back into my lap, gasping for breath. 
She was back. She was back. I hugged her tightly, and she returned the embrace with such strength that she cracked my back. She shifted her hands behind my neck and pressed her forehead against my own, saying, Laurel, o ila tolka umbilona, o ilan galath gerundi uthvalan. I felt her tears fall onto my cheeks as she held me close, and then, thinking I was Laurel, she lowered her lips to mine and and kissed me. Ugh! Her grip on my head was so strong I couldn't back away. And there it was. Technically my first kiss. It was certainly a strange first kiss, as she thought I was someone else, and I wasn't kissing back. But there was so much passion in the way she went for it, it felt rude to interrupt her, especially since this passion is what had saved her soul from an eternity adrift. But passion or no, that kiss wasn't meant for me. I pushed on her shoulders, trying to pull away, and concerned, she released her grip on my neck and pulled back to see what was wrong. Her eyes went wide when, instead of Laurel's face, she saw mine. She lurched away in shock and wiped her mouth as if to erase the kiss. What on earth? Where is Laurel? Where is Laurel? Before I had time to explain, she saw Theron, and her eyes grew wider still. No, no. Trenia tried to rise and reach for her sword, but she stumbled and fell over, weak from the soul-sending ordeal. Go away, Theron. I will kill you. She managed to draw her sword while on the ground and once more tried to stand up. But she collapsed again, like a newborn foal taking its first steps. Trinia, wait! Let me explain! Once more, she attempted to rise, and this time she fell against the apple tree when her legs buckled. Theron took a step forward to help her, but she turned the sword to him. Trinia, put down the sword! But she didn't. Instead, she pointed it at me. You brought him here! Yes, but you promised! I did, and I meant to keep that promise, but- But you didn't! Isn't your soul worth more than a promise? She pointed her sword back at Theron. Why is he here? Where is Laurel? I hadn't thought through this part. I had to put it gently. I'm, I'm sorry, Trenia. Laurel's not actually here. No. No, I felt her. She was here. That was me. I'm really sorry. But I felt her. Laurel! Laurel! Trenia stumbled around in the trees, calling out to the shadows. Theron stepped forward then. She's not here. And she never will be. You don't know that. You're the only one who doesn't. Don't you see? Your obsession with this human has gone too far. She's gone, Trenia. She doesn't want you. But your tribe does. For the last time, come home. Before you kill yourself or someone else. If that someone else would leave, then that someone else might keep his life. Trenia glared at him, though her threat meant little in her weakened state. Still, Theron drew his sword. What are you going to do, Trenia? Kill your own brother? Why was he taunting her? She could barely stand, and yet he was trying to coax her into a fight. Be a kinslayer, as well as a mortal-loving oathbreaker. His words hit, and Trenia leapt at him, swinging her sword. He parried the blow easily, and Trenia had to support herself with an apple branch to keep from falling over. Stop it, I yelled, before you hurt yourselves! But they didn't listen. She launched at him again, letting loose a string of strikes, all of which Theron blocked with ease, until, eventually, Trenia fell down from the effort. Her breath came heavily, and she was trembling. Theron lowered his sword. Give it up, Trenia. You've lost. It's over. But Trenia didn't accept it. No! She shoved herself back onto her feet and swept at Theron's head. He dodged, 
and kicked Trenia's legs out so that she fell to the ground once again. But still, she would not give up. With a desperate cry, she pushed herself up and attacked Theron with another slurry of blows until they both drew apart, panting. The deadliness in Trenia's eyes scared me, as did the ferocity in Theron's. With nothing else at my disposal, I pulled out the two wooden practice swords strapped to my pack, and as Trenia and Theron launched at each other, I swung out my two swords to block them both at once. Their metal blades cut into my swords, but the wood didn't break. In fact, the wood caught their blades like axes in a stump, and in their confusion, I swept down my swords and disarmed them both. Stop it! Killing each other won't solve anything! Brother and sister turned to me in surprise. You're better than this! Both of you! Now cut it out! Trenia's weakness proved too strong, and she fell to the ground. This time, she stayed down. Theron's feathers were ruffled by my intrusion, and he walked towards me to reclaim his sword. How dare you interfere with- You shush, okay? You're talking and getting us anywhere. Back it up. Perhaps he was insulted, or perhaps he agreed. Either way, Theron grew speechless, a sight of him I much enjoyed. I pulled his sword out of my wooden blade and held it away from him. I made my way to Trenia. She looked broken. Beyond repair, almost. I knelt down beside her and put an arm behind her to keep her upright. She didn't back away from the touch, so I ventured a few words as well. I'm sorry I broke our promise. Nothing went as planned today. I couldn't get there until Eva Galiva, so I left and he followed me. As we got to talking, he, he told me what you must have been doing out here to avoid being seen. About sending your soul inside of another? And he told me you might die a death beyond dying if you sent it away for too long. Telling him was the only way to save you. And we were still almost too late. I began to tear up again as the sight of her lying vacant in my arms returned to mine. You were gone, Trinia. For a while there. You were gone. I reached out and squeezed her hand in my own. Hers was limp, lifeless almost, and for a moment I panicked at the thought that maybe she had wanted to be gone. But then I felt her hand squeeze back, and she raised her deep brown eyes to look at me. I'm sorry to have put this on you. Your shoulders were not meant for such a weight. We sat there in silence for a moment, our hands locked and our eyes closed giving space for the frenzy of what had happened to simmer down. Trenia, Theron told me everything. About your kin rights, your wish for disavowal, about Laurel. Everything. Enough that I think he's right. As much as I hate to say that. You should go home. Both Trenia and Theron looked at me with shock. Listen, you say you're a warrior, that you're fighting for your dreams, but you're just running hiding, losing yourself in trees. That's not what a warrior does. No, no, you've got to face it. Go home and face the fight, to whatever end, be it your disavowal, renewing your kin rights, or, or exile. Just face it. Trinia's eyes began to glisten as she met my gaze. Even if you do find Laurel, even if she does want to be with you, you don't want to be running for the rest of your lives. We locked minds in that weird way I had grown used to with her, and it was clear something had changed. An acceptance of something beyond herself. I suppose a near-soul-death experience will do that to a person. She closed her eyes, which broke both the moment and the dam that held back her tears. 
Theron respected this silence for a while, but eventually he too knelt down beside Trenia. He placed a hand on her knee and spoke softly. Sister, come home. Trenia met his gaze and sighed. Deep in her bones, she knew what she had to do. She turned to me. What about you? Oh, I'm coming with you. You still have to help me find Grandbauer. And teach me how to fight. And soul send. A deal's a deal. Besides, you're my friend. I'm not about to leave you on the eve of your biggest battle. Trenia smiled and wept anew with gratitude. Um, no. Oh, heck, I'd almost forgotten about him. This human is not coming to Norvenga. Trenia made to stand up, and I helped her to her feet. <sighs> yes, she is. We go together, or not at all. Trenia, have you learned nothing from your mistakes? The tribe will not consent. While I still possess kin rights, she is welcome as my guest. Oh, come on. Huh, I guess there was a rule about that. Why must you always be so difficult? Hey, you're getting what you wanted. She's going home. Don't be a Mr. Grumble Grump about it. Theron didn't much like that name, which made me like it all the more. Fine. Well, then you get to be the one who tells Mum and Dad. Huh, I can't wait to watch that. It was at this point that we noticed several lanterns approaching us in the dark. Oi! Who's that in my orchard? Of course our noise had alarmed the village. Shouting and swords in the middle of the night? Who wouldn't be alarmed? Is that you, you little rogue? And your sneaky friend? Oh, stick. We gotta go. If there was anything left to debate about our next steps, it evaporated. I guided Trenia to Theron's horse as quick as I could and helped her to mount, while Theron repacked Trenia's belongings and shrugged on her bag. He took to the reins and led the horse forward at a run, out of the orchard and back towards the road. I ran behind him, just an arm's reach away from Trenia to make sure she didn't fall off. Oi, you skunker off! And you stay off! Rogues! My, my, my. What a day it had been. We were heading exactly where we were trying to avoid. We were being chased by an angry mob of villagers, and I was exhausted beyond words. Yet I could not contain my excitement. I was going to see the elves! When we reached the crossroads on the eastern side of Igalava, Theron slowed his horse and turned to the north, towards Bileth and the Norvenga. He looked up at Trenia, then down at me, where I stood panting. Follow me, human. I would say prepare yourself, but there's nothing that possibly could. Thanks for listening to Alley Odds and the Alley Odd Squad. I'm Leona Cara, and I am sad to say there will once more be a bit of a break before I can share more of this story with you. My job as a live-action roleplay quest leader is in full swing for the season, and I shall be spending my days in the woods with foam swords and imagination, empowering children to be the heroes of their own epic quests with the company Majestic Adventures. Several of my questers have actually listened to Alley Odds, and it has brightened my heart more than anything to hear how this story is enriching and inspiring the minds of young ones in my community. In fact, these kiddos are the reason why I began writing Alley Odds to begin with. But that's a story for another day. You can read more about it on my Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash alleyodds, where I post all sorts of extra content, like dissertations about elven culture, guides to the original elven language I'm developing, maps, drawings, and whatever else I create as episodes of Alley Odds take shape. Speaking of, for those of you who are curious about what was being said in Nervangan Elvish throughout this episode, stick around after the closing music for translations. Well, friends, I hope you have a magical day, wherever you are, whoever you are. And I really mean that. I send you love, and I'll hope to see you around the fire for the next episode, Chapter 8, The Norvenga. Mm-hmm.
Here are the English translations for the Nervangan language I used in Chapter 7. When Theron and Ali are riding away from Kartri to save Trenia, Theron whispers to his horse, Intel Tifreya Utheruth. This translates to a blessing of speed upon you, a.k.a. run, horse, run! When Theron discovers Trenia has diverged from her soul in the apple orchard, he yells, Cry Galafenga, which means, do not go. Immediately after that, he says to Trenia, Hi Beth Eldo, which means, come back to me. This is also what he instructs Ali to say as they try to call back Trenia's soul. Hi Beth Eldo. Once Trenia's soul returns, and as she is under the impression that Ali is actually Laurel, Trenia says, O Ila Tolka Omvelona, O Ilan Galeth Gerundi Uthvalan. This means, I am sorry, my love. I will never leave you again. And then, when Trenia realizes that she has been holding and kissing Ali instead of Laurel, she pulls back and cries, Sul ila fam kuliam tehalda, which means, what is the meaning of this? For more about Nirvang and Elvish, and other bits of my imaginative exploits, visit my Patreon page. You don't have to be a patron to access all of these extras. I believe that art should be available to everyone, no matter what. Take care, friends!